Hey, welcome to the Bullpen Session. I'm Patrick Lillis, and uh, thrilled that you are back and listening. And this week we're talking with a good friend of mine, Liza Colonzeus. She is a, a great actor. She's someone I admire and respect. She's a, an original member of the Labyrinth Theater Company. If you listened last week, Trevor Long and I are both members of that company. You'll hear us talk a lot about the history of Lab. Uh, Liza was in a couple of Stephen Adligiris plays I've seen her in, Our Lady of 121st Street, and uh, she was also in the Pulitzer Prize-winning play Between Riverside and Crazy uh, last season. And she is now there in previews, and Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven at the Atlantic Theater. That runs through December 22nd. And, and it was a great, it was a, it was just a great conversation. She's somebody I admire. I'm thrilled you're, you're going to get to hear her talk. She's going to talk about the value of community. And it's also, you might see her in David Makes Man, which is on the Oprah Network. And it's an incredible show. We talk about that also. Um... And that play, the play she's in is running till the 22nd, and another play, a play that I am directing, uh, called The Wild Parrots of Campbell by Alex Riad, is also running through December, and we are at the Cherry Lane. The Now Collective's producing it. And I was thinking about Liza, who's this great leader in our community of Labyrinth, and and I was thinking about how, how exciting I am about, excited I am about those two plays. Um, in Stephen's play, Halfway Bitches, there's a couple of regular farm theater actors, members of our community, who Molly Collier and Viviana Valeria and a couple of other people who've done a lot of work with the farm who are making their off-Broadway debut in that play. And Alex, who is the farm theater playwright fellow, uh, you know, this is his, I think, official. I mean, he had a play running a La Mama, so that might be off-Broadway, but this is another off-Broadway production down at the Cherry Lane. And Alex is in got into Juilliard's writing program this year, and another farm writer, Jake Brash, who wrote uh, Salutations, Creative Dave, I talked about last season. He got into EST's uh, Young Bloods program, and I finished episode one sort of talking about the marathon and taking steps and taking steps, and, you know, that it all builds on something, and I'm just I'm, I'm thrilled to watch the fruition of everyone's efforts, you know, Coming, coming to fruition. Watching their efforts show up, and they're uh, they're doing the work, and they're part of a community. And there's a little bit of luck involved, of course, but it's it's just incredibly rewarding that the work pays off. And I'm proud of all of their successes, and just really proud of watching people find the community and the community supporting each other. And you know, come check out the plays. Come check out uh, at the Atlantic Theater. Halfway bitches go straight to heaven. The title alone tells you that it's a great play. If you don't know Stephen's work, it's going to be interesting. And uh, the Now Collective's production of Alex's play, The Wild Parrots of Campbell, which is a really entertaining play about five millennials of this very specific part of California where they, uh, it's great. Alex wrote a play last year, The Floor is Lava, that showcases the higher end of that community, and this showcases the lower end of that community. And uh, it's a beautiful play, and I'm very proud to be directing it. Also, I spent a lot of time running the farm. I don't talk about this a lot. Um, I'm thrilled to be directing it. I'm having a great time. I'm a little nervous because tonight is our first preview, uh, but I always get nervous when I care. Uh, as Susie Porfar said in our first season, I feel this way because I care. 
and I'm I'm excited to see how the audience responds. But I've just I've had a great time, and it reminds me how much I love being in the room and doing the work. And that is something Liza talks about, as you'll hear about, like you do the work. It's about the work, and it's about showing up. And um, thank you for checking out the conversation. Appreciate it. And with that, I'm gonna let you listen to Liza and I, and um, play ball. I'm going to jump back, thinking about 27 years ago and the misfits. I, I know the history of why Labyrinth was started, uh, but when you went into that room the first time, mm-hmm. there's 13 of you. Mm-hmm. I know it's we can talk about the history of the Latino actor mm-hmm. base, but was it, did you feel like a misfit or did you feel like you needed just a place of belonging? Did you know you were? I felt both. Yeah? I felt both. Uh, I didn't immediately, I had to audition several times, and I just barely made it (laughs) in. I almost didn't. um, Pretty sure that John Ortiz fought for me. Since we went to Albany State together and we'd acted together, and, you know, he knew and he believed. And so, you know, there was a a group of people, you know, I had to go back several times with uh, monologues and, and scene work. And uh, at the time, it was Latino actors base. So they were only going to consider me. And my scene partner was African-American. And he was like, obviously a little pissed that he had to keep going back. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this for you. And so uh, then when I got the news, I was thrilled. I didn't know why. I just... I just needed this so badly you know I was out of college a couple years working a day job and a part-time job desperately feeling like sending out back back in my day when we had to (laughs) send out the headshots by mail and all you know it was very expensive I was also waiting tables and I just felt like I was getting nowhere and to to randomly see this ad in Backstage Magazine looking for excellent Latino actors and not sure if I I, I was that but I was like I gotta try you're like I'm a Latino actor I'm a Latino actor we'll see maybe I could sneak it. and uh, and and to finally get in there and then going through the process and being at that first meeting was fire it was hard. It was excitement. Um, I was in awe by the people in the room. Um, you know, Paul Calderon. You know, to see John there. I, I don't know. It was it was palpable, and it just I just wanted to be around that. I, I just I had to be around it. Yeah, that's the part. That's part of what I was. I'm, I'm interested in also because thinking about that early part of like, mm-hmm. it's funny, I hit New York about the same time you did, mm-hmm. and that idea of looking at backstage mm-hmm. and you know, the, it's random and mm-hmm. you're throwing out things. And mm-hmm. I don't think I was lucky in the sense that I went to summer school of the arts and it was hosted by Circle Rep. So I knew Circle Rep, so I could mm-hmm. go to their office. I didn't have a role. I wasn't a company member, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. 
you know, I could copy scripts and go to readings <laughs> and have somewhere to hang out, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, but I didn't feel like there was the same sense of community. Like now I feel like there's more, the lab has community mm-hmm. and it's 27 years later, mm-hmm. but there are other places. We know people who run the Shelter Theater Company, mm-hmm. Young Kings Baker, uh, where their door is open for people and it's mm-hmm. not a, feels easier to do in a way. I don't want to say it's easier. I don't think it's mm-hmm. easy to have mm-hmm. a career, but I think there's more doors open. Mm-hmm. And so hearing that, I'm like, yeah, what, you know, not only did you have a place you belong that, that feels passionate, and but also that sense of not just putting things in the mail. I remember that was that that used to be the job. Like the job was put something in the mail, get a vanilla folder, and be send it out and go. I hope somebody sees that. I could use my day job office printer. I could use their their paper slicer to make clean edges and their stapler and their staple. You know, like whatever I could do to try to like and steal some envelopes and then, you know, dropping it off in the 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 cardboard box and or just all of it was so overwhelming you know even if you got an audition if you were lucky enough to get a small role for film they wanted to see your tape getting a cassette player (laughs) getting to the FedEx office all of it getting someone to tape you it was just it was so hard so to find this group of people like whatever they needed I was there because I was like if if I feel like this, even you know, just working, doing random tasks, if I could be around this energy, you know, I'm I I, I can get through. Yeah, and that sense of belonging, like yeah, mm-hmm. I'll do whatever you want because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's it's true, and that and it was it's interesting that, that finding that community is so vital. Mm-hmm. I was gonna one of my questions is to say, what do you think? helped you the most when you think about and this can be defined anyway it's funny because mm-hmm. i've been watching david makes man um yeah. which is a huge career step <laughs> but if we think of any point in your career what do you think helped you who or what helped you get to like what you would say is a next level and that can be defined at any point i don't uh, that that's a tough question because it the hoops, you know, jumping through the hoops never ends. Um, proving yourself, I feel, for me, it never ends. Uh, it's, it, it, um, I always wanted to be an actor even from when I was little. That's all I knew. I was like, I am going to run away and live with the Partridge family. <laughs> I'm going to, like, push the little girl Tracy off, you know, into traffic and just take over. Like, I just, that was my plan. I was going to do it. And then that didn't happen. And so, uh, (laughs) but I always had this drive. And my mom was in, in the 50s, she was in Times Square taking pictures with her friends. And my mom was stunning. She was maybe 15. And she, uh, an agent or a casting person approached her and asked her, do you sing and dance? We're holding, you know, these auditions. And as a minor, she said, yeah, I sing and dance. I'm self-taught. And 
they had she they had to get permission from my grandparents and they were they said absolutely not and it was for West Side Story. Wow. Yeah. And they said that's for hookers. <laughs> Acting is for hookers. So here I am. <laughs> what, what, I, I, so many questions came to my head, like, what do they think of what you're doing now? But forget that the real question is, does your, your mom must my be mom thrilled? My mom was like the biggest champion. Um, one of the greatest things about one of them was after being cast in David Makes Man and being flown out to Universal Studios for a table read, to be in a room where 90% of you know the cast and crew are brown people, African American and Latino. To be in that and then for to see to have Oprah come up on the video conference screen. I was just like um, to sh- I, 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 of course, crying like an idiot, like everybody else. But, um, you know, to have her be so in love with this project. And, you know, when I was in college, I was in a really bad place. And um, and I thought that all of my value depended on, you know, being loved and acting to me was a way of being loved. And everything just seemed to be kind of falling apart. And I was suicidal. And my mom... Uh, wrote me this letter and she said, you know, if Oprah can do it, you can do it. And so come back. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this and when you get your words, you you make this speech and you tell them that your mother said. And uh, to be in that room decades later and to be with her and to have her crying and then to finally meet her at the premiere and actually tell that, share that story with her and have her hug me and know who I am and it was, I can't put into words. So it's a hard ass business, but hang in there. What has helped me is always wanting it and and having people I trust validated for me. You can't always depend on outside validation, but when you can get it, you know, at least kind of consistently over time from talent that you trust, then maybe you're onto something. And, and when and you that has sustained val- me. It sustained me. And when you say validates it, you you mean them validating your talent, right? Yes. Right? Yeah. Affirming, saying, no, yes. you're, you're good. Yeah, you're, yeah. Because it's, it's true when you, you know, it's interesting because you're right, it's always up and down and you don't know mm-hmm. when you're going to work and you're not always going to be in a room with Oprah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But which we'll go back to. Trust me, I'm going back to that moment. But it, when you said it, I thought, yeah, that's right, because what what carries me is the mm-hmm. people I respect saying, you're good at this. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. and just surrounding yourself with those people, because that's mm-hmm. what, as long as you still have the desire, that's what's mm-hmm. going to keep you from yeah. thinking you're not crazy. Yeah, and and having having the desire having people you trust validate that there's actual talent there. I mean, you have to believe it even when you're in an environment where, you know, you're surrounded by douchebags everywhere um, who don't know you, who don't know theater, who who you don't fit the bill um, of what they imagine, you know. Uh, 
a, a quote successful actress should look like and all of those things when you don't have that around you um, you have to believe in yourself and you have to help other people in the room the director your at your fellow artists believe that you can do it and that could take a lot of faking and there's I still struggle with that voice that says I'm gonna be found out I'm not that good at this they're gonna find me out I don't know how I got you know how I managed to trick everybody all of that imposter syndrome stuff but at least now I can identify it and know that you know be clearer not know like I still have a lot of doubt but at least be clearer that that's just you know the the nonsense tapes of my whole life for a lot of different reasons playing and that it's not about my talent and I've earned it and I deserve it and embrace that and take it in before I have an epileptic seizure from nerves. <laughs> from the nerves and from that voice. And that voice, and that voice is in everyone's head. It's yeah, in everyone's I think head. so. I, I don't know anyone. I've never met anyone mm-hmm. who didn't say, somebody's going to find me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't met anyone I respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I, I think if we're, if we're artists and we're genuine and we're generous of spirit you know you recognize it and you want to take a little bit of care of the other person but yet we also have to be responsible for trying to shut it down to a point and I love this the saying fake it till you make it it sounds horrible it's like what could be right about faking but sometimes you have to because there's a lot of reasons why we may self-sabotage. Um, right. And, you know, just know that if we do the work, if we prepare, if we're on time, if we're professional, uh, and we've earned the job, no one should make you feel bad about yourself, especially us. And we shouldn't tolerate it, and we shouldn't do it to ourselves. And so I'm still learning. I just feel like decades later, I'm still learning um, that lesson. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know how to say if I've made it. I don't know that I've made it. It it changes from one room to the next. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask and say, like, I don't think anybody feels like, whew, now I'm done. Because I think you have to prove yourself and I think you're always moving forward. Just even if it's, you know, when I think about that next level, sitting mm-hmm. in a room with Oprah, mm-hmm. pretty clearly a next level, right? That's a that's a clear mark. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's just, oh, I'm at an equity table, mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm in an, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, for, you know, oh, I'm walking mm-hmm. into my agent's office mm-hmm. for the third time, and this person's now my agent. Like, that's mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. you know, and like just how those things happen. And I think one of the things you're saying that I love is that it's like, it is a sustained motion and it's uh, what helps is the support of other people mm-hmm. how'd you get it how'd you, how'd you get the gig the oprah david makes man i was asked to put myself on tape for this pilot uh actually for felicia rashad's role and I w- it was a lot and i worked on it really hard and self-taped and then heard nothing 
But that happens to me all the time. So I didn't think much about it. And David was reading the trades, and he goes, yo, think, uh, oh, they cast Felicia Rashad in that thing. And I was like, well, of course they did. They were just working on her contract while I was... <laughs> while they auditioned While you. I'm <laughs> memorizing. And then I heard from my agent, oh, there's another role that they're considering you for. Would you be open? And I'm like, well, it depends what it is because I'm not playing some random, you know, welfare mom, crackhead, whatever. Not that I have anything against playing those roles because we all know that I do them, but it has to be a fully realized person who we care about, who has an arc. And I was like, well, I don't know, because I got to see it. (laughs) 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 And then, and I I do that a lot, actually. Um, And most of the time it doesn't pay off, but it pays off for me. Because I feel at this point, decades later, I've worked so hard. Um, I, I don't need certain things. Certain things are going to make me feel worse about myself, and they're not going to propel anything. They're not going to. Pro- they're not going to feed me as an artist. They're not going to. It's not going to make my bank account much bigger. So it's best. I, let me just wait for something to come my way that's for me and it's hard to wait when you've been doing it this long but I I was like yeah I'm gonna wait and thankfully I have my husband is the most amazing loving badass who is like oh my biggest cheerleader and uh, and then they came back with this role as Principal Fallow they were like we would like her to play they didn't ask me to read for it they just gave they cast you you. that's great Great. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Terrell, Terrell McCraney, you know, he's a theater person, so I guess, he, you know, he has seen me. So he knows, and, you know, to have that come back and, you know, to get that occasional reward is, it, mean, it means a lot, and so I'm really grateful to him and all of them. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty great. Yeah. And, uh, be like, when it drops, I'll be all caught up, but I'm on four episodes in. It's so good. Um, it's so good, you know. I think so. You know, I, 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 even reading the scripts and having read the pilot, I'm like, there's, I still have to watch some of the episodes, not for just for me. I'm like, I know that it's not about my character or me, but there's so many amazing complicated storylines that you gotta watch it and his own and then that layered with his own magical realism his poetry um, you know it take, you gotta pay attention and so I, I love that there's room for that <laughs> hopefully yeah. there's room for more of it um, yeah I'm gonna go back on what you said about waiting which I thought was really mm-hmm. it's 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 good because also the other thing when I think about it, and you don't have to think about this, I'm thinking about the early career artist, mm-hmm. and I was thinking like, right, you have to know why you're doing a job because I don't think there's anything, you know, 
if you're if you don't know anybody and you need to get in a room mm-hmm. with people and the role may not mm-hmm. be the greatest role, but it's a community mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. starting, mm-hmm. maybe that's the reason you do it. But like you said, it's not propelling anything now. So it's like because I think what I think I want to say is just that awareness now, but also to continue to have at the beginning too of like be clear why you're doing a job. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. be clear. If it's going to make you feel worse about yourself, don't do it. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, but if, but if you know, like, oh, I'm doing this because you know what? It's going to pay me, mm-hmm. and then I can work on these other things that I mm-hmm. love that don't pay as much. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to put me in the room, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever's happening in that lab room 27 years ago is, mm-hmm. like, makes you feel alive and supported and hopeful. Mm-hmm. Then it's worth being in that room. I'll think about other things later. You yeah. know, I'll figure out. You know yeah, what I mean? It's about, it, it, I think, you know, what's on the page about the work, about the project. If it excites you, beautiful. Of course, when we're young, we have to, you have to pay your dues. You have to be in it for the long haul um, or be willing to be in it. And if you are and if you, if you prepare and you're a professional, if you do all of the work, people will notice and if it's not this thing it'll be something else somewhere um somebody said something uh like you are not auditioning for the role you're auditioning for your reputation um also uh our uh brilliant um teacher leader artist phil hoffman was asked by a student once i was in the room and he said what what how do you become how do you make it make it as an actor and he said well let me ask what kind of actor do you want to be and that shit blew me away because i was like i thought uh, i've been doing this for a while and i never really (laughs) i didn't ask that question what working (laughs) work you know and and it's like yeah what and so I still don't know how to answer that for anybody else but what kind do you want to be in comedy do you want to be in theater do you want to be in musical theater do you want to be what do you want to what do you what is your dream for yourself and train for that specifically who are you what turns you on what gets you excited train for that it's never been easier in my opinion to train for what you want to be as an as an actor. You know, you have that little device in your hand that will connect you to these communities, to these teachers, to books, to videos, to how to, to tutorials, everything. That's actually one of the questions somebody asked. I text a couple of young actors to say, mm-hmm. what should I ask? And one of the questions was, what what exists? What tools do you think exist today mm-hmm. that didn't exist 25 years ago that you mm-hmm. that you that young actors should use? And I think that's mm-hmm. right. Like you mm-hmm. you have the ability to find actor mm-hmm. training you want, specific mm-hmm. acting training, because mm-hmm. you can look it up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go in and sit in a room for three weeks and then be like, that's yeah. not me, and then go to another yeah. one. Yeah, and I'm not against that. No, that's... I think that's a great thing, but now you can just, uh, you can look it up. What's in my price range? 
who, what are the reviews of this person? Like, you can do that as opposed to like, wow, I gotta, um, I'm running the risk of getting, you know, scammed out of my money and, and like, you, you can, if you care, you can do this on your own or you could, you know, stay on Twitter and whatever and nothing is Twitter I'm on Twitter I just reamed Trump this morning <laughs> somebody had to I feel like a lot you know I always you know I'll come across these you know youngins who are like I want to be an actor how do I do it I'm like well, tr- well try doing these things and then they do nothing <laughs> right they want you to do it all for them and bring them in and you know, it's like, yeah, man, I, I, I was a slow starter. I was a slow beginner in everything. Um, but eventually, you know, I got the tough love to get to, to help me figure out that it's on me to do the work, to do the work and to figure it out and, and to ask people and to not embarrass myself and not embarrass my, the people behind me. Uh, it's easier now. It's on you to do it and figure out what kind of actor. Who do you, who do you admire? Why? What did they do? Right. And and it's funny. I think about who do you admire and go. Sometimes I admire people, and it's like, oh, that's not what I do. Yeah. And that's and that's cool mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, but I want to be as good at what I do mm-hmm. as they are at what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, and it's uh, it's good. I'm. Uh, I would just say it takes a real honest, taking a real honest look at who you are, what you can accept, what you should accept, and and what you need to improve. You know, and you know, there's so many things. And that honest look, when you talked about getting feedback from people, mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking early on, like mm-hmm. people telling you, a the encouragement of support mm-hmm. we already mm-hmm. talked about that's what's going to sustain you mm-hmm. but also being able to listen to people you respect who mm-hmm. say here's what you need to do to get better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. and that's hard to hear uh, my ego still I still get like a little like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me but it's true I mean there are things that are within my power that I need to come in ready to do if I accept a job don't go in there and try to do a different play. Do the play that's written. Respect the playwright enough to try to honor their vision of the character instead of manipulating your way around to there there's a it's okay to have a dialogue to deepen, you know, and not just be you know, result dumbing down. I've worked with those directors, you know, but ideally you want to try to find a way to marry your, the depth of your research and digging with being true to what the playwright put on the page. Don't roll up in here accepting one thing, doing one thing in the rooms when you audition, and then do something, want to, like, switch it up because whatever, your ego. You want to be more interesting. You, you want to be, be more, more interesting. Something. You want to be light. Yeah. 
funny you say that. So that thing about we start out, I think, in theater mm-hmm. as a place of getting love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then what you have to learn as you do the career is like the way that you get the work and do the work and be honest to work is to let go of the desire to be liked. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just, I teach a play development class and somebody just the other week said to this person, oh, you know, there's nothing likable about that character. And I had to explain them like, I don't care if they're likable. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing likable about a lot of things. That mm-hmm. Let's find out mm-hmm. what that person wants, what their heart mm-hmm. is, what drives them, what motivates mm-hmm. them. And the playwrights didn't create them to be mm-hmm. two-dimensional and unlikable. They created them for their purpose. And mm-hmm. I don't care if you like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they would be, and it was good, but it was true in all forms. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the hardest thing to let go of, like, I want to be liked. Yeah. You know, but that has nothing to do with yeah. what my job yeah. is. There's the difference between making somebody likable and making them believable. And you know what? If I know a certain character because that's the environment I come from and and I recognize certain behavior in the core of my being, there may be certain things I'm going to fight for. Um, like, you know, there, there are sometimes just some stereotypes that I'm like, I, I, I hear you, I, you know, I know you. But we need to look at this certain What's situation right here. Because the given circumstances, okay, these are two gainfully employed people. They have no children. They have a good income. Why are their walls filthy? Just cause, I know they live in the Bronx, but is that going to fuck people up? <laughs> that it's they're not they're going to be out of context right are you making a choice <laughs> that, that that's that they're lazy that they're yes. disre- disrespectful because nothing else says that yeah because they're latino but right uh, what, what 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 subconsciously are you tapping into maybe that you're not even aware of and that's not a, i'm not trying to make everyone you know like pristine upright citizens because they're Latino or people of color, but I think that we also, as an artist, it is also my job to say, okay, how can we deepen something a little bit and not just go with, you know, what's s- simple for your your audience? Like, who is your audience? <laughs> <laughs> why do you want to be in? Why? Why? Do, yeah, let's look at like. Why do you want to be an actor? But also, this project, who, who, when something sticks out to me, I try to work through it. But then sometimes people play themselves and show, aren't aware show who themselves. the audience they're trying to, you know, appease them, you know, appeal to is. And I do feel like I've earned the right to have that conversation with you because I have a responsibility. I think that right is earned from the from early on. Mm-hmm. Knowing you have that right and mm-hmm. owning that mm-hmm. is different. But I think you could have been 22 and entering in the world, you have mm-hmm. that right. You know, in a yeah, way. Yeah, I be- mean, but, but yeah. Because I'm tying it back to you have the right if you've done the work and you're thinking and you're asking mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. hey this person's gainfully employed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. single and I'm not mm-hmm. sure now mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm all of a sudden self-conscious going, I don't know how clean my apartment is today. But I'm like, <laughs> but it's, but I know you're making a, a, a reference of it. And it's thinking like, you can hold that conversation because you're gaining, you're trying to gain information no matter what, but you also, mm-hmm. you just to share that your input mm-hmm. is valuable. You know, say and question it because the person on the other end can't, mm-hmm. you're working hard, don't let them be lazy. Yeah. 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 And and yes, you can have that at a young age. We we see it. I also feel like there's it it's a it's a fine line between judging and and not having enough world and life experience right. and wanting to put your little you know, uh, you know, politically correct stamp on it and and, and you know, but if you agree to step into something try not to judge it try not to rewrite the play um and try to go deeper find a way to go deeper yeah what's in there what's mm-hmm. in there what's mm-hmm. in there what can you draw upon it's funny there was two two thoughts came to mind but one is mm-hmm. a conversation zelda fitch handler who read mm-hmm. she ran arena stage mm-hmm. but she ran nyu acting program and i met with her when it early director mm. it was so funny she's sitting and this is a podcast so i'm going to do this visual imagery which is really useful mm. but she she said oh where's the play and she would turn the page and she'd go oh it's there no it's mm. there and she's like keep mm. looking she and it was just mm-hmm. it was this simple thing that stuck with me about finding the truth it's like mm-hmm. play the play mm-hmm. the circumstances in there and mm-hmm. it's underneath the page keep looking there mm-hmm. and be truthful but, mm-hmm. but but be truthful in the search of what's there. Mm-hmm. It's not anywhere else. You know, it's yeah. not it's not your preconceived notion. It's not yeah. your it's the world that you're presenting. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not always in an easily laid out roadmap. Um, you do the work, and there's obviously something in each one of us that is special and unique, which is why we were cast in the role. Um, so. Bring that, embrace that. It's, oh man, I just feel like I'm still learning how to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to pick up on embrace that because I, 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 I watched an interview that you did on the Bronx uh, mm-hmm. TV. But you talked about early on embracing mm-hmm. like, and I think it's, I think it's more possible now than it was 25 Absolutely. years ago. Absolutely. But of like embracing like, you may not look and fe- don't try to. Embrace who you are and bring you as an artist to the room and go like, I know the world wants, don't think, oh, I know the world wants this and they don't want me. Mm-hmm. But, and I thought, I don't know what, I don't have a question to it except for how hard was that when you were starting to acknowledge like, oh, I'm good and uh, me, they want me. You're in mm-hmm. the, the words, you know, you're enough, like bring you and like at what point could you bring that into the room and know, like, I know there's always the doubt mm-hmm. of the imposter and all that of going, oh, this is what I, this is my instrument, this is my artistry, this is why I'm belong in this room and not mm-hmm. everybody else who looks a certain way that they expect you to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it it comes down to, uh, as an artist, we have to we're we're sensitive, and we have to take care of ourselves. And we have to heal, so that's a big part of it. Um, so I did a lot of years of therapy, and uh, 
you know, some of the things that we may lay at the feet of, like, oh, it's not, it's because I'm not thin enough, or I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not, I'm, I'm not this enough or that enough, has to do with deeper stuff. I'm getting all like, what, you know, uh, that is beyond, you know, that is beyond just your type. Um, there's, we have to heal certain things, and I think if we can heal the whatever is broken or work toward healing facing what's broken and get start to get on the other side of it we can bring it into the work as artists and 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 get away from start to move away from the the self-hatred and i think that that takes work as a human being and that makes you a better artist. Um, you know, like you hear people who are like, I don't want to take my antidepressants because if I'm not raw, and it's like, nah, man, you can function. <laughs> you can function right. better <laughs> as an artist and as a human being and enjoy the the uh, the work when you're in a better place. It, it's 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 the opposite of that. Healing will, will get, make you a happier person. Also, our... I feel like once I learned to um, accept that it's not my fault, it's not my fault that I have all of this self-hatred. As a Latina, as an Afro-Latina, our country, our systems were purposefully designed for the world and for us to feel inferior. The images, the history, our institutions, everything was designed for me to stay in my lane, to feel inferior. So you, in, in, in re-educating myself, I've learned that it's not my fault that I'm broken. It's my fault what I do with it. And I, and that's taken a long time. I feel like I'm still on that journey, as opposed to, um, you know, if I'm a, if I can just be a size zero, and straighten my hair, and not have you know have a standard American English accent, and you know be all like, you know, <laughs> buttoned down and you know appropriate. No, you know, then you just you, and I feel like sometimes you know. Yes, it's important if you to know what kind of actor you want to be if you feel gifted at doing acting aerobics and taking on all kinds of 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 accents and 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 characters. But also you also got to be clear on racism <laughs> and sexism. I was like, why am I learning it and why am I learning to do an Irish accent? In undergrad, you're like, yeah, what, what why, am I playing what, what, Irish? What can we be real for a second? <laughs> you well, gotta, re, you gotta look at, you gotta tailor like your training to to look at those things. Yeah, what do you and, and what type of actor do you want to be, and mm -hmm. what do you want to do? And mm -hmm. it's interesting when you say we gotta be look at racism and stuff because mm -hmm. I get 
I'm like, I'm so glad you just talked about what you were talking about. And at the same time, I, I have this impulse to say, I think a lot of people are told to stay in their lane. Mm-hmm. And I'm not taking away from them. I think mm-hmm. everyone is told to stay in their lane in some way. Mm-hmm. Now, there mm-hmm. are some people who have a much fucking wider lane, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you don't, you don't have to. You have to embrace who you are mm-hmm. and then go for what you want. Mm-hmm. Like, going back to your mom, if Oprah can do it, you mm-hmm. can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. people, you, there's no, that lane, acknowledge, acknowledge that people perceive you a certain way and then utilize the, I'm not, I want to say, take the power mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Take the power of that and mm-hmm. say, I've got a, I got a voice. I want to do something. Mm-hmm. I want people to, you know. Yeah. I want to, yeah, I want to utilize it. I think all all of our quirks, embrace them. You know, sometimes people, you know, there are techniques in in training that want to iron all of those things out. And I say, no, that's what makes you fun to be in the room with. And especially if you're working in front of the camera, being self-conscious about your quirks is the death of us (laughs) it is for me once I get once that negativity you know the camera picks it up um and then it's like I become wooden right because it's that not knowing like what's me and and what's technique in front of the camera and how to be still and how to be settled and, but still listening and still trying to communicate. It's ultimately, you, you're doing the same thing that you have to do in theater, but you're expected to do it in a much more relaxed way. And that can be hard when you're filled with self-hatred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be hard when you're filled with that and, and doubt and uncomfortability and the camera's two feet from you and... Yeah, and and the roles, like, the roles are just, you know, repeatedly not written for us. Um, And it's our responsibility to to change that and support each other. I wanted to to ask about Mm -hmm. that, actually, because early on in your career, you wrote, Mm -hmm. right? You Mm -hmm. wrote, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, not why or whatever, but what did that do for you? It helped me start to heal, you know, and, you know, thankfully for Labyrinth, you know, we would have these meetings and, you know, one meeting, it was a writing experiment, right? And the the thing was, write down an embarrassing memory. And I was like, and I wrote a memory about how uh, being filled with such racial hatred and, you know, my mom was uh, in a relationship with uh, uh, Irish American family, very racist. Um, uh, like literally, like his mom would like pretend we weren't in the room, and and I was like, everything in our society, all the good things are um, bestowed on white people. So if I can just pass then I'll have, I'll be worthy. And I went on a mission, dyeing my hair, trying to use skin lightening cream, and I tried to dye my hair blonde, and and I looked like Bozo the Clown. It came out crispy, and 
and I did my eyebrows, and it was just such a disaster. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in just writing down that memory, it opened up this whole door of like, I didn't know why I was doing it. I wasn't conscious in that way. And it, it went from, you know, 10 minute monologue, then I was pushed and encouraged to write more and write more. And Stephen helped me develop and he pushed me. And that play, that little bit became Sister Supreme and that became 85 minutes and 13 different characters. And, uh, and then other like solo sh I never intended to, but in forcing me to write about my truth, it forced me to confront stuff that I wanted to keep, where the shame was so deep and profound. And that I feel ultimately, you know, I didn't start out like, oh, I'm gonna show my range or, <laughs> no, it's just like, I had the support from the community and I was pushed by, you know, Stephen to be honest. You know, I would write something and he'd look at it and be like, you know, how Stephen, you know, with a cigarette, scratching his hair, and, and just pushed and pushed and allowing, surrendering myself to that process. Yeah, and I think that embracing, I, I was curious about it because I think everything, I think writing for some reason, I did not know this. I always thought directing, because I'm mm -hmm. director, was vulnerable, and I started as an actor and thought that was vulnerable. There's something about writing that's really vulnerable, because mm -hmm. that's like, there was nothing, now mm -hmm. there's this, and mm -hmm. this came mm -hmm. from me. And I'm just, and when you share your truth, there's something about so vulnerable to do it, mm -hmm. and so empowering mm -hmm. to be like, oh, right, mm -hmm. that's my truth. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. I own it. And uh, I was glad to hear about that experience because I think it's the beginning of, yeah, beginning about sharing where that came from and what that was about and getting it out and accepting and owning it and then realizing mm -hmm. that when you share it, it resonates with other people. Yes. So you're not the only one. You yes. know, people are like, that's yeah. me too. Yeah. You're like, well, it can't be because I wrote it about me. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. And that's like more that validation, you know, sharing your truth and then to have people coming up to you crying, affected, sharing their experience in that way, similar, and seeing what it, how it's affecting other people is more validation that, yeah, maybe I am on the right track. Maybe I could push those negative messages aside for a while and just keep going. And yeah, so Labyrinth was a huge part of that. Um, my mom was a huge part of it. Um, my husband... Um, yeah. And now one of my is, uh, what do you think you carry in now with you into the room? When you go into the room, what do you carry in now that you didn't carry in when you were like 25? Just uh, Maturity, uh, taking the at least the responsibility as much as I possibly can to have done the preparation, done my homework. Um, you know have a sense of the character, thought, think about it as much as possible, know, have those sides, you know, uh, be comfortable with them enough. I, I have to, as much as possible, memorize because my eyesight <laughs> really, so I can't, Dave could cheat really well and just glance at it and not lose this, it's amazing. <laughs> 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 Thank you. 
what planet are you from? And he memorizes fairly quickly so he could just go in and, you know, do, and, and play. Just, and I'm like, I hate you. You're amazing. I love you. So uh, learning from him, watching him, I, I walk in with that. And, you know, whatever confidence I can muster, quiet confidence, and it's rooted. I think that finding meditation, breathing exercises um, helps. Um, tr just trying to be s settled and quiet. After that, it ain't none of my business. I can't get out of the way. I, I can't get crazy about feedback. Yeah, you. If it's a callback, then give me some feedback. Um, but I don't want to know what, why they didn't hire me anymore. I don't care. It's none of my business. I don't need that shit in my head because everyone's different and every job, every audition, and I don't need the, you know, the stuff that's out of my control. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I come in with confidence and more preparation. And that's great. <laughs> uh, no, and that's kind of, I like that you said confidence and, and quiet confidence, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to yeah, bravado, you know, I got to prove something. Yeah. Because you're doing being present enough to do the work. And on that, if you could. Can I just yeah. correct something? Yes. I'm not always quiet. <laughs> <laughs> that, Sometimes well, I'll walk into the other, and it depends on the feel of the room. If the room feels welcoming and fun and open, then something in my gut wants to have more fun with them, especially if the director's in the room, because I find that I have a better chance if the director's in the room than, you know, the assistant who's me, <laughs> just putting me... And I, I you know, I got to work on this, but, like, when the person who is half my age is giving me an acting note, I got to... It takes all of me to not be like, just sit down, grown folks at work, you know. <laughs> But, <laughs> but you know, it depends. Like it, it, it depends on the vibe, taking the temperature think, of the room. Yeah, I, I agree. It's funny. I'm glad you said that because I know you're not always quiet. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but about that relaxed confidence, so that you can come in and be comfortable in the room, so you're mm -hmm. not pushing something. Yeah. If the room is a comfortable, loud room, mm -hmm. or a place that's inviting mm -hmm. of a different mm -hmm. energy, that you're comfortable enough to bring that energy. Mm -hmm as opposed to feeling a need to perform mm -hmm. as yourself, you mm -hmm. know? And I think that's, that's what I took it as. A, but you're right. I'm glad you said it because it's not quiet confidence is internal. It doesn't mean how it comes out externally. Yes, yes, There's yes. a relaxed presence there. For, yeah. And it comes from being other. The other things you said is coming and being prepared. Mm -hmm. I think that is going back to our friend Phil. I remember mm -hmm. we were talking about it, interviewing and he, he said, he said, I always want to know who I'm up against because I want to bring my A game. I mm. probably have shared this before. And no, I'm like, I don't want to know because I'm going to bring my best anyways. And I mm -hmm. don't want to think, I don't want to be judging mm -hmm. my best versus yeah. somebody else's. But the, the worst thing is comparing. Right. And I thought, oh, you're, you're getting up for the competition. Mm-hmm might not be fair because nobody's on your level. So yeah. <laughs> like, it's different. Um, but 
But I know that now I bring more preparation into the room mm -hmm. because I know how to prepare better mm -hmm. than I did when I was 20-something. Mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. how to do the work, and I know mm -hmm. that it's only about the work. And so when you said come in prepared, it's like, oh, right. It's not... It's, the, the preparation is so much more part of what I'm doing every day mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about the job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's good. And on that, yeah. Sorry. go ahead. And it's just, it, you know, I find that I can't, it's, it's harder for me to be, you know, supportive and there for everyone because it, I'm doing more preparation now. And now we have to do these self-tapes where somehow, I don't know, people think that just because you can upload a video faster, that somehow you could upload it into your brain faster. No, you know, I need to work on this. And I'm sorry, I can't be, you know, all things to all people all the time. I have, you know, this comes a point where you got to be selfish if you want to uh, feel like you gave, gave it your best. Um, and uh, and I just wanted to hit, like, Yo, if if having if getting in competition mode helps you, then fine. Okay, it doesn't help me, and I feel that comparing myself to help who else is in the room. No, I I, I can't. It it fucks with me. Um, you don't know. I mean, Dave and I have been up for the same roles. <laughs> you don't know what they're looking for. Right. So. It, it it just accept who you are, and if they want you, then they'll then help them get excited about you and what you bring that no one else can bring. No one else can duplicate, manufacture who you are. I think that it's funny. I was going to ask just mm -hmm. then is what advice do you have? But I think that's great advice. Thank you. You know, bring in who you, and no one else can bring that. You are the only one. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know what they wanted for the principal. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that that role, you know, they mm -hmm. they, they didn't know what that role was, maybe. Maybe, yeah. You know, or if. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they're like, wait, we, we, we want that energy. We want that mm -hmm. person in this piece. Mm -hmm. let's, let's put her there. <laughs> it's, it's funny to think, you know, could have been Dave. <laughs> 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 that part's... That part's funny, but it's, <laughs> but it's true. When that comes up, you don't know what people are thinking. Um, thank you. This is great. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you so much for being one of the most generous um, labyrinth members, always giving, never imposing what you want or what, what's in it for you, you know, really being instrumental in helping us, you know, go beyond shredding water at this point and uh and i'm so proud of you and and rebuilding your own thing well thank you and <laughs> thank you when you said that, i always want to say when we were talking about vulnerability and uh and your view of yourself as a youth it's interesting to me because you are clearly confident and in, in in the eyes of others <laughs> this powerful leader and you know the the Oprah of the labyrinth community in my mind really I I was texting wow. uh, and we're we're wrapping it up but like mm -hmm. I think that respect is shared by all you know mm -hmm. and that's uh, so hearing the younger struggle uh, 
mm. is interesting to me because it's good for other people to know, like, hey, that's your internal perception. And also mm. that feeling, whatever you're feeling today with that feeling you had in college, you've seen my solo show on suicide, I think. You saw it. And, uh, you know, that's temporary. And people are yes. going to grow and evolve. a joy. I hope you enjoyed listening to Eliza as much as I enjoyed talking with her. It's, she really is. She's someone uh, that everyone who meets her respects. And just uh, it was so great just to listen to her. And at the end, uh, we weren't recording anymore. Uh, she had said this very sweet thing about my role in Labyrinth. And it was nice to hear. And I, I thought it was, she talked about how she <laughs> just thanked me for being stable. And it's it's funny, I'm self-conscious talking about it, about not having an agenda and just doing the work and keeping people moving forward. And what I said to her was that she was the Oprah of our community, but she has tremendous respect. And, you know, I talked about going to see the play, and you should, as she plays a character named Sarge, which seems appropriate because she is clearly a leader. And But both of us were talking, and at the end of the conversation, what I was thinking about is that I think the reason we were talking so fondly to each other and respectfully is because the Labyrinth Theater Company, which started in 1992, and has a lot of members that people would know, uh, Stephen Adley Kyrgios, the playwright, John Ortiz, who's directing that play, um, my friend, and our friend, I think, Trevor and I both talked about, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, was a former artistic director, longtime member, and the company is incredibly was it's filled with incredibly talented people, and we were around for twenty five years, and now we are in our twenty seventh year, and there were I think we were being really sweet to each other at the end of that interview because there was such challenges that happened in the last couple of years that were coming out of it, uh, and I wanted to, you know, I always like to remind people like it's not easy, and at the beginning I was talking about this episode about the successes that are happening in our community and I just want to say sometimes it's it's there's always challenges and you can have you can be you know what's vitally important to be part of a community to show up to do the work there's no replacement for work and I also want to make sure to say there's also some luck involved um, and you don't know when that luck's going to happen you know it's great uh, in the play that Liza's in, Halfway Bitches, you know, there's a couple of members of the farm who are in that community, actors who are in that play. And, you know, I know one of them's in the play because another actor got a job, another job. And so they became available. And, and or they were unavailable for that play, and so they cast the other actor. And, like, you don't know what's going to create that luck. You don't know how that's going to happen. But, and, and it may take longer for that luck to show up. And just know that as long as you keep doing the work and you're part of the community, the opportunity is there and it's possible. But that luck, or as somebody used to, you know, as that saying goes, you're not going to be in the right place at the right time if you don't show up to be in places. And that was one of the things I was struck by with Liza about the community. It's like, yeah, it's about showing up. And that she showed up for for 27 years and is a, a pillar of that community. And, you know, it's not luck that she's on a TV show with o that Oprah's producing or that she's at the Atlantic Theater right now. And it's not luck that 
Alex is at Juilliard and that his play is getting done at the Cherry Lane. Um, but it also, it's not unluck that it hasn't happened for someone else. It just takes time. And I really uh, was struck by that this week. And I just wanted to talk about, like, if you're feeling like, hey, I'm doing the work and, and I want something quicker and I want it faster and somebody else has something and I don't have something, is to know you don't know what pace it's going to take. And and just keep doing the work and showing up for as long as that it's filling you. Because that's the only thing you can control is what you put into it. And also then let people know that you want to do something. Let them know, hey, I'd like to act in that. Or for your designer, hey, if you need help, I'd love to work on that project. Because you're going to create the luck by letting people know that you need that opportunity. And it's going to be available for the people if you show up. And... Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And with that, I'm going to I'm gonna ask for something. I'm going to say, hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, you liked hearing Liza and I talk, and, um, you know, you can come to the uh, play at the Cherry Lane if you're in New York. But if you're listening to this podcast, you know, check us out on social media. Listen, you know, and if check us and rate us at uh, iTunes. Always helps. I'm learning we get more people to listen and tell your friends. Say, hey, I heard this great conversation. And if you thought the conversation could be better, then email me at bullpen at thefarmtheater.org and let me know what else you'd like to hear. Uh, but this has been great. And uh, thank you for listening. And with that, we're out. We're out.